Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go to the book of Job, chapter 1. Hallelujah. Job, chapter 1. And I want to start a series tonight. Uh, that I have entitled, Poor Old Job. And uh, we want to look at some things. Now, years ago, I heard my pastor say, he said, I fell in love with Jesus reading the book of Job. And uh, uh, that, that, that made me look at it a little different. And, uh, you know, Job is a book that a lot of people stay away from. Uh, it's, it's a book that, uh, you know, even, even a lot of good faith people, you know, it, it kind of comes down to this, that, you know, they, they just make the statement that, you know, it wasn't the devil, the God that did that, it was the devil, and they kind of leave it at that. Well, many people fail to grasp the real issues that the book of Job tries to bring out. And, uh, for instance... If you do a word association game and you say grass, green. If you say hot, cold, hungry, full, Job, suffering, right? Job, destruction. Well, it's true that Job suffered, but it's uh, far from an accurate, comprehensive understanding of who Job was and what the book of Job's trying to get across to the believer. And remember, the Apostle Paul said, all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable. So that means that reading the book of Job is profitable. Studying the book of Job is profitable. And the traditional portrayal of Job has, has been very inaccurate. Very, very inaccurate. And here's what I mean. If, if you get up in the morning and you take a picture of your backyard in the morning, all right, with maybe the sun coming up over the trees or whatever, and then you take a picture about 2 o'clock, it's going to look very different. It's the same place, but it looks very different. And so it's been very inaccurate. And many times when uh, people are going through a trial, here's what they'll say. Well, you know, I guess I'm like poor old Job. I guess you're like poor old Job. If we're truly going to be like Job, there are some things that have to be accomplished in our lives. And, and we're going to go over these real quickly and then we'll get into our teaching. First of all, you'll have to have a dynamic revelation of God's nature and God's power. If you're going to truly be like Job, you'll have to have a dynamic revelation of God's nature and God's power. Secondly, if you're going to be like Job, you're going to come to possess the spiritual strength and grace and character that will enable you to pray sincerely for those that have hurt you and mistreated you, and you'll have the ability to rise above anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness. 
If you're, going, if you're going to be like Job, you're going to come to possess the spiritual strength and grace and character that will enable you to pray sincerely for those that have hurt you and mistreated you, and you'll have the ability to rise above anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness. You need that one more time? If you're going to be like Job, you're going to come to possess the spiritual strength and grace and character that will enable you to pray sincerely for those who have hurt you and mistreated you, and you'll have the ability to rise above anger and bitterness and unforgiveness. Thirdly, you're going to be healed. You're going to be healed. Oh, hallelujah. Fourthly, if you're going to be like Job, you're going to become one of the wealthiest people on earth and have an amazing, be an amazingly successful businessman. <laughs> Hallelujah. The, the name Job in his day was somewhat like, and you named the billionaire in our day, Warren Buffett, Steve Jobs, Jeff Bezos, you name it. That when you, the name Job was representative in his day of that type of wealth. Amen. Because people will say, well, poor old Job. Well, let's look at Job chapter 1 and verse 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. And there were born unto him seven sons and three daughters. And his substance also was 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses and a very great household so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east or the sons of the east. Now notice 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels. Job didn't raise camels for pets. He was a merchant. He was a merchant man. And these camels were used for exporting. He, he was a trader of great renown. Notice it says he was the greatest man in the east. All right, in the, in, the, in the eastern part of the country where he lived, he was the greatest in that time. If Job were alive today, in order to sustain his operation, he would have to have in the neighborhood of a thousand employees. He would have a farm or a ranch of 500,000 acres. In case you're wondering, that's about from here to the middle of Maumelle. That's a big place. All right, it, it, it's, it's around five miles, or excuse me, 12 miles. So it's a big place. The value of his land and livestock would have been $1.25 billion dollars. His operation would have brought in about $100 million a year. Uh, that's what he had when he got started. That's Job chapter 1 through 3. So Job was a billionaire in the beginning. All right? This is so, this is so important because the attack on Job occurred in what was a very small part of his life. Most theologians agree that it was between 9 and 13 months of his life. The Septuagint says that Job lived to be 170 years old. 
So if you, if you boil it down to a year, so then for 169 years, Job had it pretty good. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> the majority of Job's life was spent in great prosperity, great blessing. The bulk of the book of Job is this. It's a theological argument between four people who had no idea of what they were talking about. No idea of what they were, they were dealing with. And Job is really a book about redemption and deliverance. Suffering is a secondary theme. It's not the primary theme. Now, I realize that people can, can, can go through Scripture. You know, you can find a Scripture to fit anything. If, especially if you want to jerk it out of its context. Amen. And, and somebody was going through a hard time one day, and they just found in the book of Job, naked came I into the world, naked I'll go out, blessed be the name of the Lord. Right? The, the Lord's given and the Lord's taken away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. But just a cursory reading of the book of Job will tell you the Lord took nothing from him. But somebody was going through something and they didn't understand it and they just took that out of its context. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, it's like the scripture says Judas went and hung himself. Then there's another scripture says you go and do likewise. Well, I mean, you don't want to claim that one. <laughs> Amen. There's three parts to the book of Job. The first part is destruction. First part is destruction. The second part is debate. So in the, in the first few chapters, you see destruction. The second part, you see debate. And the third part is deliverance. So destruction, debate, and deliverance. Now, why is there so much confusion about the book of Job? People don't understand Job as a person. Notice Job 1.8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Now, we'll get into this more in, in messages coming up, but it's good to remember something. You know, people will read that and they'll say, Look how much faith God had in Job that he's pointing him out to the devil. No, he's not. He's asking him a question. If, 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 depending on what Bible you have, the center column reference of my Bible says, he asked him, have you set your heart on Job? Uh, the Septuagint, other, other renderings, ask, it's asking a question. One, one says, why have you set your heart on Job? And it tells you why he asked that, because he goes on and says, there's none like him in the earth. He's perfect and upright. So, in other words, he's saying, why are you looking at him? Why have you set your heart on him? It's not God sicking the devil on Job. All right? It's not God holding Job out there for bait, saying, get him, get him, get him, get him, get him. He's asking the devil, why are, why are you looking at him? Why? Right? He's perfect and upright. He eschews evil. He fears me. Amen. God said Job was perfect. Now, obviously, that just means he was a complete... A mature man, all right, not perfect in, in, in the state of mistake-free or sin-free. But notice it says Job feared God. Notice it says he fears God. 
he had a very vague knowledge of God. He had a very vague knowledge of God. This is important to understand. Job lived in the dispensation of conscience. All right, he lived in the dispensation of conscience. He lived, he lived before the dispensation of law. He lived in the dispensation of conscience. Most theologians agree that Job is the oldest book in the Bible, written the second millennium before Christ was born. 2,000 years before Christ was born, Job was written. And notice it says here he feared God, but most of what Job knew about God was from a conscious standpoint, conscience standpoint, or through creation, or what he had heard. And we'll get into that as, as we get into the series. Job, Job, said, Job said, everything I heard was wrong. Job shunned evil. Now that, that, that speaks to us as New Testament believers because notice two things about Job. Without a covenant and without being born again, he feared God and shunned evil. Amen. Job did better without a covenant than a lot of New, Te- New Testament, New Covenant believers do with a covenant. Right? He feared God. He didn't, Job did not have the knowledge of God that we have, and yet he feared Him and stayed away from evil. You know, if you fear God, you stay away from what's wrong. Is, is, is that right? And people say, well, but you know, God's loving and God's kind and God, and all the more reason for you to fear Him. All the more reason. Well, I, sh- I shouldn't be afraid of God. No, you're not afraid of God like, like you might be afraid of something else in your natural self. But th- that holy reverence, that holy awe for God has to be in our lives because, folks, that's what helps keep people living holy. When, you, when there are things you won't do because you don't want to offend God, that's the fear of God. Amen. What we see so often in, in the church society that we have today is this idea, well, if I make a mistake, he'll forgive me. And there's not this idea of, but it hurt God. I heard my pastor say one time, he said, you never see sin aright until you see it as against God. You never see it right until you see it as against God. That's not what I'm preaching on. I'm just saying that, that speaks to Job's character. It speaks to why Job came out of this situation the way that he did. Because he feared God and stayed away from evil. He eschewed it. He shunned it. He wouldn't go around it. He wouldn't have anything to do with it. You know, Job is the one that wrote, I have made a covenant with my eyes. Why then should I look upon a maid? I have made a covenant with myself that I'm not going to allow myself to do certain things. Amen. If something was wrong, he did his best to stay away from it. And the Bible says God was pleased with Job. Notice, he didn't hesitate to call him my servant. Have you set your heart, why are you setting your heart on my servant, Job? Amen. Now, look in the book of Ezekiel 14. Job is listed as an example of righteousness. Oh, hallelujah. You know, we, 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 I, I was speaking about the fear of God. And I ask my wife sometimes, you know, about certain people. You know, pe- people have fallen into different things. And I'll ask her, where's the fear of God? 
Where, where's the fear of God in that situation? Well, but God is forgiving and loving. Yes, He is, and that should make us even more hesitant to hurt Him because He's so forgiving and loving. Remember what the Apostle Paul said? He said, don't take and use the grace of God in vain. Don't use it like a get-out-of-jail-free card. Right? You remember the game we used to play? Was it Monopoly? And get-out-of-jail-free card, and you get it, and you're not in jail when you get it, but you keep it. Why? Because you might go into jail, and you get out of jail free. That's not what grace is. Grace is not for if you sin. Grace is the power and the ability of God given to you so you don't have to sin. Grace is a weapon. Hallelujah. Do, do, do you see that? I heard, a, I, I, it might have been Andrew Womack one time. I heard him say, I live holier, on, live holier by accident than most people do on purpose. But it's having a right mindset. In Ezekiel 14, verse 14, and, and this is talking about, Ezekiel's talking about God's four sword judgments. And, and he's using Noah, Daniel, and Job as an example. And, and I'll give you the background. He's saying if they were on the earth and in Israel at this time, the only person that their righteousness would save is themselves. It wouldn't save anybody else. But notice, he says those, these, three, these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it. They should deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord. Verse 16, those these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord, God, they shall deliver neither their sons or daughters. They only shall be delivered, but the land will be desolate. Verse 20, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. So the point is, Job was listed as an example of righteousness. Well, not right standing with God like we have it, but in, in, in a right place with God. He dealt with God rightly. He lived right. Amen. Job was not an Israelite. He wasn't Hebrew. Uh, he was not a descendant of Abraham. The Bible says he was from Uz. And that was in the land of Edom. He had no covenant with God. He, he, he was a contemporary of Abraham. They lived around the same time. But according to what we see, he had no covenant with God in the sense of the covenant that Abraham had with God. Now, see, that's important to understand and to realize because you've got to understand that about Job. He's living for God with no covenant with God. He's, he's fearing God and eschewing evil and he's not a Hebrew. He's not an Israelite. He's, he, God has not appeared to him and spoke to him. But he heard of God. He saw God's work in, in nature and, and, and in the universe. And he made the decision, there's got to be a God. And I'm going to serve him and fear him and love him. All right? So God said that there were many, th there, there were many things that Job's friends said about God that weren't right. Notice in uh, Job 42. You're going to get a lot out of this series. Job 42 and verse 7. 
it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against you and against your two friends, for you've not spoken of me the, the thing that is right as my servant Job has. So think about that. People will quote those three miserable comforters of Job, and God said what they said wasn't right about him. Amen. This is important because you need to be very careful about just going through the book of Job and finding a comment about God and assuming it's accurate. We always interpret the Old Testament in the light of the New Testament. You never interpret the New Testament in the light of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is types and figures and shadows. The New Testament is the light. All right, so I, I, I compare what's in the Old Testament with what's in the New Testament. And I interpret that in the light of the New Testament. In, uh, back in Job 1, Job chapter 1, verse 20, we see Job here after uh, his family had been destroyed. And it says, verse 20, Job arose, rent his mantle, and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshipped. Now, now look at that. He worshipped. It doesn't look like a man that's mad and angry at God. He's worshipping God. And he said... Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked I will return. The Lord's gave and the Lord's taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But notice, in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. The, the, the rendering of that is he did not attribute folly to God. So Job blamed this on God, but it wasn't God. We know it was Satan. Still, God didn't hold it against Job. Why? He didn't know any better. He didn't know any better. There are very few references to Satan in the Old Testament, and the majority of them are in the book of Job. Very few references. Job had no comprehension of the devil. No idea who the devil was. All right? And... When he blamed God or, or attributed this to God, God didn't hold it against him because he didn't know any better. See, the New Testament says this. It says there was a time in the Old Covenant that God winked at people's sin and people's misunderstandings of God and their failure to repent. He said, but now with the sacrifice of Christ and the coming of Jesus into the earth, God demands that all men everywhere repent. Is that right? Because the sacrifice has been paid. The sacrifice has been made. So to understand the book of Job, I have to understand many of the things that Job didn't know. And what many times... People misunderstand the purpose of this book and that causes confusion because here's what happens is uh, people 
say the book of Job was written to answer the question, why do Christians suffer? And they'll tell you that. Well, if you want to find out why Christians suffer, just go to the book of Job. Hmm. They overlook one little thing, though. The book of Job never answers that question. It, it never says, this is why people suffer. In chapters 38, 39, 40, and 41, God is speaking, and in four chapters, God never answers the question of why. Ever. Never answers the question. He never answers why. He, even where Job is concerned, he, he points out where Job was wrong. He points out where Job was wrong in his statements about him. But he never says, this is why, Job, this is why. Amen. Because, because the, the, the why is not the biggest issue. Amen. The biggest issue is who did what. The enemy did this, not God. Amen. In, in uh, James chapter 5. Remember, we, we interpret the Old Testament in the light of the New Testament. The book of James chapter 5, verse 8. And it says, Be also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. Grudge not against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge stands before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and patience. Behold, we count them happy that endure. You've heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord. That the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. This is the only reference to Job in the entire New Testament. One time in the book of, of James. Now that tells us a couple things. That if Job with such an example of why suffering happens to believers and Christians, he would be mentioned more than he is. But notice something. The New Testament is telling us there's two main lessons to be learned from the book of Job. Number one, the example that Job set in endurance. The, the, the example that he set in endurance. We count them happy which endure. In one year of time, Job lost all of his children, all of his substance, all of his camels, all of his donkeys, all of his cattle, all of his sheep, lost his house, lost everything. In one year of time, he lost everything and he's smitten from head to toe with ulcers. Boils. And then we see him sitting on the ash heap of his life, scraping his body with a piece of pottery, and his loving wife comes out and says, why don't you just curse God and die? I'd like to be married to her. Don't answer that. But, but, but the point is, notice, and yet in all of that, it says he did not charge God foolishly. 
in all of that. Well, he blamed it on God. He didn't know any better. But he didn't get arrogant with God. She said, curse God and die. And Job wouldn't do it. What did he say? He said, you talk like one of the foolish woman, women. Shall we receive good at his hand? And when he sends us evil, shall we not take that? We know God didn't send the evil because of what the New Testament says. But here's Job having lost everything and he refuses to stop fearing and respecting and honoring God. There are believers that are New Testament believers and it can, t- it can be something very minor that goes wrong in their life and they backslide and leave church. That doesn't work. The Word doesn't work. God let me down, blah, blah, blah. Boy, they're really examples of endurance. They really hung in there. That's what frustrates me as a pastor. I see people go through really tough things. I I watch people go through the death of loved ones, going through challenges, and they press into God, and they press into the Word, and God delivers them, and God brings them out, and God blesses them. And then I watch people that just go through a minor thing and give up, throw their hands up, and just go away from God. It's because there was no fear of God. There was no respect for God. There was no love for God. There was love for His stuff and love for what He could do, but no love for Him. Amen. Everybody under the sound of my voice, you are going to face challenges. You're going to face issues. There's going to be things that show up in your life. But here's the thing. The answer is God. The answer is the Word. The answer is staying with God. You may have questions. God doesn't mind questions. But the question is asked in the attitude of, I don't understand why this happened. You do know why this happened. You can help me understand it. But don't ever go away from your answer. Job didn't have the Word. He didn't have a prophet to come speak to him. He didn't have a list of confession scriptures. All All he had was a knowledge conscientiously of who God was. He realized God had blessed him. And because he realized the character of God, he refused to charge him foolishly. He realized God's character. God cannot be this mean, ugly person when all, look at all the good he did for me. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He, was in, he endured, he was steadfast, he persevered. And like I said in the beginning, Job did better without the new birth than many do with the new birth. <laughs> Amen. And I'm not making light of anybody's circumstance. I know, I know that we go through challenges and we go through things. But here, here's the issue. If I believe God and I believe what God said... I may be shaken, but I'll never be toppled. I may be shaken, but I'll never be stopped. I may, I may pause, but I'll never be defeated. Because I know, I know where the answer's at. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. So that's the first thing. His endurance, his steadfastness, his perseverance. The second thing it tells us is the end of the Lord. This is what we should learn the end of the Lord most people don't get out of the book of Job what they should because they're not focusing on what the New Testament says we should be focusing on that the picture of endurance and the end of the Lord amen the end of the Lord the end 
of what the Lord did for him. Most people talk about the beginning of the trouble and not the end of the Lord. Amen. You know, you'll get through your challenge and your trial. You'll get through it. But that's not what you testify about. What you testify about is the victory. Amen. Because there's nobody that's not going to go through something. Amen. Hallelujah. I've had people tell me before, well, I know you wouldn't understand what I'm going through. Well, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I understand? I would understand to some level. You may have went through something more painful than I've been through. But everybody has been through something. Amen. And you got to remember the end of the Lord. The end result is we win. The end result is God brings us out better than we came in. The end result is He will turn our mourning into dancing. Amen. He'll turn our deserts into rivers. He'll turn our bones into armies. Hallelujah. That's the, uh, and if I just stay the course. If I just stay the course. The word in, the end of the Lord, means the final issue or result of a state or process. Mm. The word saying, when we look at the book of Job, we should first be inspired by his endurance. By his endurance. And second, we should be inspired by the end of the Lord or the end result of a process when God is involved. I know you may have went through something, but God's not done. He's still involved in that process. And that your oh, your end is going to be greater than your beginning. I'm telling you. Why? Because that's how God operates. God will never leave you in a deficit. He will always make up to you. He will always bring more to you. Why? Because that's His nature. It's His nature to give. It's, it's, it's His DNA. Well, I don't understand why this happened. But your job is not to understand why it happened. Your job is to realize that God's going to bring better out of it. He didn't use it. He didn't cause it. But He's going to bring better out of it. Everything, all things, everything works together for my good because I love the Lord. I love God. This is all going to turn for my good. That's what Paul said. He said, we know that this that we're going through is going to turn for our good because we know God did deliver us. We know God does deliver us. And we believe He will yet deliver us. God did, God does, and God will. God will always bring you out. Always. I just got to persevere. I just got to be steadfast, not back up. Well, I don't know what to do. The Bible says that when you have done all to stand, stand. Stand there behind the shield of faith, quenching every fiery dart of the wicked. That's why Job is really a story of faith. Job stood in the goodness of God. He didn't know what else to do but throw himself over on the mercy of God. That's what he meant when he said, I came into the world with nothing and I'm going to leave out of the world with nothing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 
But you know, in that time of trouble, in that time of testing, he, he got a glimpse of the new covenant. He got a glimpse of the rapture and the resurrection of the, of the, of the dead in Christ. He got, a, he got a picture of grace. He said, he said, I wish there was an umpire between me and God. I wish there was a daysman between me and God where he could put his hand on me and plead my case before him. He said, there is not one, but there will be one. And I know that in that day, I will see him in my flesh. Hallelujah. God can reveal Himself to you in ways that you've never seen Him. If you'll just be steadfast, if you'll just endure, if you'll just know God's got my best interest at heart, this is all going to turn for my good. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. The final result. The final result or the state of your process is it's all going to be good for you. It's going to be health in your body. It's going to be finances in your life. It's going to be your family coming to Christ. It's going to be victory. And, and, and someone will say, well, what if I die before they get saved? It, that doesn't change the word. You dying doesn't change what the word said about your family. You will see that promise come to pass. Be steadfast. Be steadfast. Amen. Whew. The real message in the book of Job is God's goodness. God's tender mercy. That's the real message. According to the New Testament, the book of Job, then the purpose is to reveal the importance of steadfastness and endurance. Mm. To reveal God's dealings with us which will result in a manifestation of His great mercy and tenderness. That, that, that will be God's dealings with us. That, 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 that's what Job's story reveals. Amen. God, God, never, God never upbraided him for thinking he did that. He upbraided him for the wrong statements he made and justifying himself. Job spent a lot of time justifying himself. Hallelujah. If anybody says you're like poor old Job, you should get real happy. You should get real excited because something good's about to happen to you. I say something good's about to happen to you. You know, this, this word keeps coming up to me, recompense. Recompense. Amen. I, I, in, in six days of faith, we had six days of faith two weeks ago in the Kansas location. And uh, I, I was determined the Lord had talked to me about not receiving an offering any night except our normal service nights. And so we received the offering Wednesday night. But Thursday, uh, I, was, I was preparing. Uh, I believe it was Thursday, Thursday or Friday. But anyway, I was, I was preparing. And the Lord began to talk to me about receiving an offering that night. And I didn't know what it was all about. But I, I was there. I was sitting on the front row. And uh, uh, when I got up to, to begin... He said, I want you to receive an offering tonight and I want you to tell the people that it's a recompense offering. And God's going to recompense them for the things that, that have been lost. And the scripture that he took me to was in 2 Kings when the Bible says that Elisha told the widow that he had met there uh, 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 that built him a room. He told her, he said, the Lord has called for a famine for seven years. He said, go sojourn where you can. 
out of the land of Israel. Well, it says she went and dwelt in the land of the Philistines seven years. And it says at the end of seven years, she came back and she came back to cry to the king for her house and her land. Her house and her land. And it says it just so happened that Gehazi, the prophet, the, the, the man of God's servant, was there and he was telling the king how Elisha the prophet had restored a man to life. Well, it was this woman's boy. And the woman at that time comes in the court. And Elisha said, King, this is the woman. This is her and that's her son. Oh, and, and, and the king started talking to her. And, and it, says, it says, she said what she wanted. My house and my land. And it says, the king appointed an officer to her. And said, give her back her house and her land. Woo, that's shouting ground. But then he said, and all the harvest from the last seven years. So get my house and land back. I get restoration, but then I get recompense. I get it all back. I get it all back. I get it all back. Hallelujah. No, I'm not taking an offering, but I'm telling you, you're you're getting it all back. Because that's the end of the Lord. I I keep being encouraged by the Holy Spirit to say this. God will not leave you in a deficit. He will not leave you in a deficit. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. 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 God will not leave you in a deficit. Listen. I I stand before you a God-made man. I stand before you with very little natural education, very little to work on my behalf where that's concerned. But I stand before you in need of nothing. I stand before you wanting nothing. I stand before you completely filled, fully supplied, rich, rich, rich. Because God will not leave you in a deficit. And it says he is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You say, what's that got to do with Job? Recompense. Recompense. Notice Job 42. We'll, we'll, we'll hurry. I got, I, got, I got about seven minutes. And if I, if I get real preachy, I can get all this done. Hallelujah. You know, I, I, I just say this, and, and I don't preach about the news, and I don't preach about current events per se, necessarily. I don't watch the news. I'm not saying you're wrong if you do. So I couldn't preach about it if I wanted to. But here, here's what I'm saying. What I do know is the world has nothing to look forward to. Amen. The world gets up every day saying, sure could use a little good news. Amen. We, we have everything to look forward to. You know, I was, I was listening to Brother Jerry. He was telling a story about his plane, you know, the, the, the Falcon 50 that the, Lord, that the Lord blessed him with, and he bought it. And, and the Lord told him something. I'm, I'm careful with this, but the, the, the Lord told him about the price of that plane. He said, uh, 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 pay the price that they want. And he said to me, he said, you know, that's ludicrous. He said, you, you never pay what, you know, you always, right? I mean, you're not trying to just cheat somebody, but 
Right? If somebody says, hey, I want $10,000 for this, would you take $9,500? Um, right? I mean, I do that. I don't know if you do that. But the Lord said, I'll make it up to you on the back end. I'll make it up to you on the back end. Well, there were like three or four inspections that needed to be done on that plane. And one of them was like $100,000. Another one was $200,000, $250,000. And I mean, right, the, the plane is cheap compared to keeping it up. But here's the point. <laughs> they paid for most of those inspections. And the one he had to pay for, he ended up not having to pay nearly what it was. Over half of it was paid for him. Amen. Recompense. Recompense. God's not going to leave you in a deficit. Job 42, notice, verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, also, the Lord gave Job twice, twice, as much as he had before. Now, I'll just remind you. In the beginning, he had a thousand employees. He would have had a farm or acreage of 500,000 acres. He would have had and, and been worth at least $1.25 billion. And his operation would have brought in about $100 million a year. And the Bible says God gave him double. That's the end of the Lord. That's the end of the Lord. The devil tried to take everything away and God gave everything back double. So that means he replaced it, he restored it, and then added recompense. Mm. Now you do whatever you're going to do with what I'm about to say. But you get ready. Streams of finances are going to come to you. Streams of finances are going to come to you. And what the Lord said to us about 2021. He said 2021 will surpass any good year that you have ever had. And he said by the time the money hits your hands. You'll know what to do. You'll know where to sow it. And he said I'm going to begin by bringing many out of debt. I'm going to begin by making many debt free. And he said, for the time is short, my coming is nigh, and I do not need my people encumbered with debt. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's coming. Mm. Oh, it's coming. So we owe it to God to focus more on His goodness in the end than on the devil's attack in the beginning. Ever, ever what you faced, you faced and dealt with, we owe it to God to focus more on the goodness than on the challenge. Amen. That's why the Bible says weeping, it endures for a night. Joy comes in the morning. Amen. Hallelujah. When Jesse Duplantis, he said when he went to heaven, he was talking to the Apostle Paul, and I'm not quoting this as Bible, but I believe Jesse. And, and, and he said, he was talking to the Apostle Paul, and he said the Apostle Paul spoke to him, and he said, you know, he said, I said in my word, 
that our affliction, in the word that I wrote, he said that it was light afflictions. And he said temporary afflictions. He said, you need to go back and tell my church they've made them lifetime afflictions. Tell the church they've made them lifetime afflictions. You, you ought to just try that right now. Say, tonight, I make the decision. I'm coming out. I'm coming out of debt. I'm coming out of poverty. I'm coming out of not enough. I'm coming out of insufficiency. Streams of finances are flowing to me, flowing to my house, flowing to my mailbox, flowing to my inbox in the name of Jesus. Recompense and restoration. Glory be to God. Oh, I believe God. We owe it to focus God to focus more on His goodness in the end than on the devil's attack in the beginning. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Ah. Ha, ha, ha. Whew. You know, I've been asking the Lord over the six days of faith. Now, I, I, I'm looking at my time. I got to get you out of here. But over the six days of faith, I kept, I kept sensing something. A shift, a shift. When, uh, when uh, Brother Jerry was here, I was sitting on the front row, and I kept sensing a shift. There's a shift. Well, you know, I've been doing this long enough to, to hear a lot of old adages. I've heard so many people say, not you, but ministers, ah, something's changed, something's changed. And you know, I would think about that, and I was praying. I've been praying this whole week. And I said, Lord, I even wrote it down in my journal. I said, I will not be the person that says something's changed but can't tell you what it was. Come on now. Something has shifted, but I don't know what it was. I'm standing here tonight, and I'm telling you, that's what it is. Hallelujah. The shift is in your finances. Hallelujah. The change is in your financial standing. Oh, hallelujah. And do you know something? God will repay you financially for physical suffering. That physical suffering that costs you, God will pay it back to you financially. He'll heal you and recompense you. <laughs> hallelujah. How do I know that? He healed Job, and then he told all of his miserable comforters, take him an earring of gold. And everybody that came to Job brought him some money. God gave him back double. He's a billionaire twice now. And now, but people are still bringing to him. We're moving into this. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. That, that's not some kind of magic thing where your rich neighbor's money is just going to get put in your account. Amen. But the, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. I, I got to say this under the unction of the Holy Spirit. The Lord told Brother Hagin, he said, you don't think I put all that money and all those resources and all that wealth in the earth for the devil and his crowd, do you? He said, I did not. I put it there for my church. My church has been slack in going to get it. 
And that's when he gave him the revelation that you don't pray about finances. You claim the amount you need. You bind the devil and his forces. And you loose the ministering spirits to go get what you need. Hallelujah. And, 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 and you say, well, how do I know that's going to work? Well, number one, it's in the word of God. Number two, you got to overcome fear and step into it. Hey, hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the shift we've, we've been. <laughs> ah, this, the two things that keep coming to me is bonuses and settlements. Bonuses and settlements. Legal settlements. I'm telling you, things. Think, <laughs> it's working right now. It's working right now. The Lord says I'm changing their minds right now. I'm changing their minds right now. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And as the rivers of water, he turns it whichever way he desires. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 ha. Hallelujah. Whew, you better stand up. I'll keep going. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. And, and here's the thing. And, and, and I say this. Because I'm a good pastor. Now don't walk out of here and say, wasn't that good? Keep that in your mouth. That, that's the shift. My recompense. Amen. Anybody in here, finances have been held back from you? See? They're coming to you. I'm telling you, the shift is that barrier is going to be broken. And, and you don't have to know why they did it, and they don't even have to be nice about it. They can be ugly about it and recompense you. Don't worry about ugly. Just take the check. Just take the check. If they're, if they're ugly about it and spiteful and mean, just take the check and praise God and go to the bank. Amen. Hallelujah. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Amen. That's what my dad used to say all the time. Somebody said, that guy's too ugly to be an actor. And my dad said, he laughs all the way to the bank. Laughs all the way to the bank. Amen. I don't know why I'm doing this, but here, laughing all the way to the bank. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, a year of back money that's owed you could make a huge debt, a huge dent. For some of you, it'd take you out of debt. Well, could that happen? That woman walked in the, in the, king's, in the king's court, and all she wanted was her house and her land back. But she left with seven years of harvest and her house and her land back. Job just wanted the suffering to end. God ended the suffering and healed him and gave him back twice what he lost. See, God doesn't leave you in a deficit. He's not just going to heal you and leave you broke. He's not just going to bless you financially and leave you sick. He won't leave you in a deficit. Hallelujah. He's not going to bless you and not touch your family. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Whew. If you can wait, we'll be back Sunday morning.